from the Western Riverside Council of Governments. I'm Rachel Singer, and this is CODcast. This year, Riverside County's annual homeless point-in-time count found that there was a 20% increase in the number of people living on the streets since last year. County officials further provide perspective that the count is only a one-day snapshot and merely represents the visible homeless population and not necessarily everyone who lacks a home. Nonetheless, the local impact of homelessness cannot be refuted and needs to be addressed. On this episode of the CODcast, we welcome Monica Sapien and Aaron Petroff from the Social Work Action Group, also known as SWAG, to hear how they approach helping the homeless in Western Riverside County. So Monica, Aaron, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you for having us. Thank you. So um, do you guys live in Riverside County or tell me a little bit about that? Yes, we were both born and raised in Riverside County. I currently live in the city of Riverside. Nice. Okay. And then what's your favorite thing about the city of Riverside? I love the... Little shout out. <laughs> right? I love the diversity that mm-hmm. our community brings. That's what I like. How about you, Aaron? You know, definitely. You know, even within the city of Riverside, you can find uh, like areas like where we live in Woodcrest, which is more rural, mm-hmm. but then you can go downtown and there's, you know, a downtown feel with the... the bars and the food lab and yeah so that, definitely. I mean, the, 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 which goes along with the, what monica said the diversity definitely so what did you guys do before you created swag started swag tell me a little bit about that side of things so before swag i coordinated the city of riverside's homeless services mm-hmm. um, i actually started off as a volunteer while i was going to um, grad school and eventually I got hired on and I was able to work in street outreach, case management, um, and started promoting. And I was there for what, a total of eight years approximately. Mm-hmm. And um, I oversaw the homeless street outreach team, five or six housing programs, oh, wow. and a cul-de-sac of mm-hmm. homeless services. Okay. Previously, I also worked for the city's homeless services. Uh, I was on the outreach team, and uh, kind of what led me there was working with foster youth. Um, mm-hmm. You know, too many foster youth end up homeless, and uh, at a time when I needed to, to transition, I saw the posting for the city and, and got hired. Yeah, that's really cool. So you guys work at the Social Work Action Group, also known as SWAG. So can you provide just a brief description of what SWAG is and what SWAG does, maybe to someone who knows nothing about SWAG? Okay, sure. So we are a nonprofit homeless services provider that provides homeless street outreach, case management, and housing navigation to the chronically homeless population Mm -hmm. um, throughout the Inland Empire, and we focus on the street population. So those are individuals that are living at lake bottoms, they're living in trash enclosures, um, on the streets, etc. So our team... 
what makes us unique is that our team is made up of individuals that also come from local government mm-hmm. and local nonprofits that specifically serve the uh, homeless population in Riverside County. So our team really is passionate and committed um, towards serving those hardest to reach. Mm-hmm. So that's what I think makes us a little different, right? Definitely. So you said chronically homeless. So what, can you define that a little bit more too? Uh, definitely. You know, cr- the chronic homeless definition that we use comes from housing and urban development. Um, and it's somebody who has a disability, a, a, a severely disabling condition, like a mental health issue, a physical mm-hmm. disability. Um, it can also be substance abuse issue um, and, and, and that that with a period of time that they've been homeless it's a year or more or four or more episodes in three years that mm-hmm. totals a year mm-hmm. so I, that's a big part of a distinction of what we do is when we serve the we serve the chronically homeless those are people who are definitely on the streets they've been on the streets for some time um, they're not people that are just in need of a part-time job um, you know they, they have some serious conditions and, and and they're not just somebody who again is, is looking for um, some help with employment or they were a, they had a flat tire lost their job and became um, homeless or people that have uh, a lifetime of traumatic incidents mm-hmm. and, and uh, they're very hard to serve so yeah. that's our specific population yeah Definitely. Like the college setting, a student can list on their application that they're homeless. Um, you know, even though we have no idea what their living situation is, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, not to not to take away the fact that there are still students living in cars, but um, you know, I see the numbers there inflated. People that are couch surfing for um, like the McKinney Vento, the school districts. If mm-hmm. somebody reports that they're homeless but they're still living with a family, you know, again, they fall under the term of homelessness. And, uh, you know, when, when funding is, you know, put out for homeless programs and you have somebody like that who's, um, who could use some assistance and is willing and ready to accept it, um, you know, and is happy to see you and you know, gives you hugs and writes you a thank you card, um, <laughs> that along with somebody who's on the streets deep in their addiction or their mental health situation, um, you know, when they don't smell good, they're not being friendly to you. Mm-hmm. They're trying to push you away. You know, that that's uh, like we like to say, um, you know, when, when you have funding that's so broad um, it's going to find it's going to follow the path of least resistance and so homeless service providers you know generally speaking and this is you know from my experience um, you know when you have an office you have those people who who need help and are happy to accept it and can follow your advice Mm -hmm. you know and you have lots of good positive outcomes Um, but then when you have the chronically homeless population who are so hard to serve and you literally we are out in the streets you know, five days a week, hunting them down, um, having to incentivize them, taking the next step to better their life. It, it, it's, um, well, like, well, today's a little bit cooler, but you know, it's physically exhausting when it's Mm -hmm. 110 degrees outside. Mm -hmm. Um, it's mentally and emotionally exhausting when, um, you put so much effort and sometimes you seemingly want it more than they do. Mm -hmm. Um, so again, so I think that's a big part of, um, why we specifically target the chronic street population you know everybody wants to serve um, veterans everybody wants to serve families and seniors and not that any one group is um, deserving more deserving than the other well I should take that back you know if if we have a family you know if you have a child yeah I think all of our natural instincts is we need to help that person right Mm -hmm. Um, and there's lots of agencies that do that and they do that well Mm -hmm. so in our daily operations when we come across families or vets 
um, one of our board members works at the VA, you know, and so mm. we quickly, I mean, we send a text message, hey, you know, how, what do we do in this situation? You know, we're, we're bringing them over or all the other providers that serve families. You know, we make quick connections for those individuals. But, you know, uh, again, at the end of the day, the people that are left, you know, on the streets are mm-hmm. the ones that are that are so hard to serve. So, um, you know, that's really a, a distinction that we are going to always continue to make is, you know, we, we, we serve that population that's hardest to serve. Yeah, definitely. So what, how does SWAG approach the chronically homeless? Like what are your guys' strategies or tactics in that? So we always like to say that we are relationship builders, Mm -hmm. and that is exactly what we do. We start off with a simple conversation. For example, if you have a client who is wearing a Dodgers t-shirt, then, you know, the guys will talk to them about the Dodgers game. Really, our approach is very strategic. We conduct whole person assessments. Uh, the the appropriate textbook term is a biopsychosocial spiritual. And so what we're doing is we're spending hours getting to know our clients, everything about our clients, their support systems, their upbringing, and et cetera, right? And we use that information that they do disclose to help build that relationship and to, to ultimately try to connect them to much-needed services and, and housing opportunities. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And, and like the way I was trained to do street outreach was, you know, you had to be visible. You had to have your shirt on that showed, you know, the city emblem. You had to have your clipboard. Mm-hmm. You know, you had to say, hey, I'm with this. Uh, you know, uh, we're here to offer you homeless services. You know, very informal and mm-hmm. not... Um, it's not personal, mm. you know, so like now our team is absolutely like Monica said, you know, we, we don't even, you don't even need to ask somebody if they're homeless, you know, we, we are able to, you know, you're able to identify that. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't need to, I think as soon as you say certain buzzwords that put somebody's, their guard is up, you know, and mm. then you're just another um, agency or, or, or negative interaction, you know, because people on the streets have constant negative interactions they know they mm-hmm. shouldn't be loitering here or hanging mm-hmm. out there so it's you know we we want to be that warm inviting space you know we're coming at it from a different angle we're just we're just i'm just another guy our team you know, we're just another person and mm-hmm. we're here to to find out you know find out about you you know we're not going to say you know here you want to go to shelter mm-hmm. um you know it's just you know who are you let's, let's just talk let's let's sit down and eat you got a few minutes you mm-hmm. know let's just talk and and from there um you know it breaks down that barrier and people are able to you know give you some important information like monica said we're building relationships but we're also assessing the situation Mm -hmm. you know it's targeted questions because uh, a couple of things like we always tell our team is you know uh, you seize the opportunity if today's the day you never know you know because we get used to dealing with people you know days and weeks and months and and sometimes you forget that day to say hey you do you remember i could still offer you you know Mm -hmm. shelter i could still get you connected to to something today so it's both you know how can we help you today Mm -hmm. and then let's just talk you know there's no pressure you know let's just talk and let's see what um you know what's going on in your life and then that really helps guide um an intervention you know because the goal is to get somebody off the streets today Mm -hmm. Um, with the appropriate resources. Mm -hmm. And we literally, behind the scenes, we are connecting. We over-communicate with our team members. We are always strategizing and case conferencing, discussing how we are going to how we're going to serve a, a certain individual. For us, you know, we don't, if somebody doesn't want to engage in conversation with us on a certain day, that doesn't mean we give up. That doesn't mean that 
that individual doesn't want our services, there is no um, there's no point in time where we say we're going to give up on somebody because we got told off or they're not Mm -hmm. ready to talk to us. Mm -hmm. For us, we just realize that our clients are in a different stage of of change, really. So there there is no um, there's no time specific time frame, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. And like you guys both said yourself, it's definitely a different angle to addressing the problem of homelessness and a different even subsector, if you will, of chronic of the chronic homeless. So what have what have your results been from these more like personalized efforts um, of what SWAG has been doing? Anna, you know, we don't we can't do this work alone. So I think for us, some of our success really has been um, supporting and strengthening a, a regional approach, mm-hmm. realizing that it does absolutely take cities, it takes law enforcement, nonprofits, educational institutions, uh, faith-based organizations, and residents. Right? It takes us all. We all have to realize that we we play a role in addressing homelessness and as outreach workers we our our job is also to connect with the community and to educate the community on what homelessness looks like uh, in the in the communities that we're serving right and it ultimately is the community's responsibility to see how they could be a part of this coordinated effort so for us it has absolutely been exciting to see this regional approach grow you're seeing cities working with one another mm-hmm. law enforcement um, you know they're they're meeting with social workers with us and we're, we're staffing cases over and we're thinking outside of the box and trying to figure out how can we how can we continue to serve and through this collaborative effort we have been able to assist 408 individuals exit life on the street and those numbers are, I mean, we literally calculated them early this morning. So <laughs> so that is a huge shared success that, mm-hmm. that, you know, the mid and southwest region of the county should be extremely proud of. Yeah, no, definitely. That's a huge one, too. And so why do you think those efforts have been effective? Because we're collaborating. Mm-hmm. Not one single agency can do it alone. And when you are able to speak the same language, when you're able to openly say, okay, you know what, our chronic population, a good 93% of them are struggling with untreated mental illness. They Mm -hmm. are so deep in their depression or their anxiety is so debilitating. Um, etc. Right. Once you're able to to identify that, then then you can move past that. You could develop a plan of action to help those individuals. Mm-hmm. And for us, it is absolutely our role as social workers to let our clients know that they do have a purpose in life. Mm-hmm. There are people that do care about them. You know, we all with law enforcement, again, and the community with cities, we all share the same goal to get folks off of the streets. We're just looking at it or approaching it 
slightly different. Mm -hmm. And that is what's working. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So I think there's a lot of negative perceptions and assumptions surrounding the homeless population. People base it off of what they hear, or maybe what the news says, or maybe it's from their own interactions. But most of us are not in your guys' shoes of going day in and day out working with the homeless population. So can you, um, what do you think, Can you? well, first off, can you just paint a picture of what your interactions look like with the homeless? And then two, what do you think is one thing we can do to change these really negative and almost fear, fearful perceptions of the homeless? I think we're definitely trying to um, change people's perception that um, you know people have to, you can only help somebody who wants to help themselves, which mm-hmm. even though it's still kind of true, mm-hmm. um, even like our six-year-old, told us not too long ago, like, people have to want to help themselves. You know, somebody told her that, right? We're like, okay, who told you that? Which is true. But if we wait for people to ask for help or wait till they're ready, um, we're going to end up like Los Angeles or San Francisco where we look for strategies to make people more comfortable in in that situation versus making them more uncomfortable. And, and we do that by... Um, it's comfortable in the conversations, but you know we force you know, we 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 don't force like our beliefs or our ideas for somebody other than we'll say you know the only thing that I will tell you is you deserve better than this you know you deserve to be off the streets you know you are valuable mm-hmm. um, you know there's a plan for you there's a purpose you know and we want to help you get to that um, we we don't tell people what they need to do um, you know but it's you know what if you had a wish today you know what would it be where would mm-hmm. you like to be how would you how do you see yourself you know what's mm-hmm. important to you um, and when you when you start to key in on some of those things and, and get people feeling like they're valuable again then they can get to a stage of wanting it like Monica said every every person we come across on the streets is at a different stage including the stage of I don't want it I'm so broken I'm, I'm mm-hmm. trying to literally kill myself you know mm-hmm. because we see that you know we see people with like heroin addicts get um, abscesses um, constantly, you know, big, like, like big boils that are mm-hmm. infected and we're, we're, which brings us to where tomorrow our, um, nurse practitioner starts because that's something we're, mm-hmm. um, coming across daily in the streets is, you know, people with serious medical issues like that that need immediate attention. Um, you know, that, and, and for us, that's another way to help build trust and rapport with somebody. But, but going back to the question of, of negative perceptions, um, just that, that we don't give up on anybody and everybody's valuable and our efforts are, are worth it. Mm -hmm. Um, even, even to those people that are causing chaos, you know, at a, at a shopping center in some abandoned field, um, you know, they're still human beings and, and, and if we help them, uh, realize what their purpose again and their their worth and their value is then we move them into that next category of change where they're okay I'm a little bit believing in you so show me how mm-hmm. we could do it mm-hmm. and, and so our team then um, you know then gets to work I mean our team will spend days with one person mm-hmm. um, building that trust getting them you know to the next step you know incentivizing them hey you know what you got nothing else to do you know let's just you know it's us today let's let's just get this step done and this step done but um if if we can if we can all agree that um, people are worth it and valuable you know and we can make those those uh those changes Mm -hmm. yeah you know i for me i think it's important you know you brought up like a heroin addict when you see for example a heroin addict shooting up in front of a business right Mm -hmm. you and i might think 
wow, that person has really hit rock bottom. But that individual doesn't think that they hit rock bottom. And this is where our law enforcement partners are so instrumental because they help raise bottom. And, you know, if you are um, committing a crime, right, or doing something illegal, law enforcement, our partners will come in and they'll let them know, look, you you deserve better than this. This is unacceptable. You either get help or, right, there's consequences for your actions. That has helped. And we're, we're actually seeing a lot of this um, in multiple cities we're seeing some of our most vulnerable folks heavily addicted. We're talking about 15, 20 years of addiction asking for help, right? They're ready for it because through the partnership with law enforcement, we helped raise bottom. Definitely. And thank you. That's the other misconception that I think is important. You know, I would say half the time when we talk to somebody, you know, like a community member, um, they're saying we're doing too much, mm-hmm. you know, that those people can't be helped. And the other half of the time is mm-hmm. we're not doing enough. And, and what do you mean you work mm-hmm. with law enforcement? You know, law enforcement is just out to get homeless people when that's absolutely mm-hmm. not the case. You know, when, when we say the majority of people on the streets have a severe and debilitating substance abuse issue, mm-hmm. um, law enforcement doesn't control the substance abuse programs. You know, that's another department, you know, that's other governmental agencies and, and, these are programs that are not accessible, easily accessible to our clients. So they're literally falling through though that system of care. They don't, they're not, you know, caught and brought into the substance abuse system of care. Um, sometimes through their own decisions, and again because they're so broken. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, absolutely, law enforcement is our our best partner in this. Like Monica said, because they're not out targeting homeless people. Um, but when somebody is shooting up heroin every day in front of you know a business or an intersection, they're going to have interactions with law enforcement. And when law enforcement knows that it's a misdemeanor, um, you know, to do those activities and that they could literally just cite them and release them, um, it, it, we're fortunate to have um, quite a few deputies and a sergeant and a couple lieutenants and a couple captains that are on board with, no, we need to take that time. If we have that, we need to seize the moment with that individual mm-hmm. to to work together to say, you know, what you're doing is still illegal. Mm-hmm. You're still hurting yourself severely. Um, and here's an avenue, you know, like with swag, here's an avenue of change. You know, let's, we care about you enough that I'm not gonna just cite you and walk away. You know, I care mm-hmm. about you. I'm gonna sit here, I'm gonna tell you how you deserve something better. So that's a, a big misconception that um, the uh, deputies that we're working with and specifically in Lake Elsinore out of Lake Elsinore station mm-hmm. um, and the Paris station, you know, they're doing a great job working side by side and realizing that working together, um, we see um, tremendous results, mm-hmm. you know, um, um, helping raise rock bottom, like Monica said. Yeah, definitely. And I think that, I mean, the collaboration of what you guys have been able to pull from with the cities, with law enforcement, with the SWAG's efforts, it's really encouraging to hear how cohesive it has been in that process and um, I'm curious what you guys think what like we've all talked about homelessness is such a difficult issue to try and combat because there's so many different areas each person is different there's that there has to be that personal touch but do you think that there is one thing that all homeless people need I think it goes back to to purpose giving our folks uh, a purpose I know you said one, but empowerment, (laughs) you know, support, letting them know that they are worth, you know, they're, they're, they're worth something. And, you know, I always think of 
I always think of a client, a 48-year-old individual who was diagnosed with ADHD at the age of eight. And when we were really able to connect with him and hear his story, I remember this gentleman telling us that he had, um, you know, his parents after dinner would give him at the age of eight, mind you, half a glass of beer to calm him down because he was so hyper Mm -hmm. and they just didn't know how to deal with that back then. And I remember this guy just crying and telling us that he had been in treatment over 15 times. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking to myself, oh boy, like how is this time going to be any different? But in working with him and giving him purpose, right? And and he felt his purpose was to be a painter um, in life, which is great. He was able to get into treatment and not only address his addiction, but his deeply rooted um, issues behind that addiction, mm-hmm. you know? And, and a lot of our clients um, do suffer from traumatic childhood experiences so that's important too mm-hmm. uh, and you know the question being what is one thing that all homeless individuals need and i know i get you know kind of the obvious answer is a home right and i think that's another <laughs> mm-hmm. topic that that when we hear cities like you know i hear los angeles saying that they just need to keep building homes and keep building homes and while we absolutely with the population growing we can always have more homes mm-hmm. and and you know there is a lack of affordable housing. Um, this this problem isn't just solved with a home or with creations of homes, mm-hmm. um, because you know what in what we do building relationships, we're we're getting in contact with people's family members. Um, you know that's that's essential always. And nine times out of ten, um, people have a place to go back to. You know, family that mm-hmm. will take them back if they're addressing those behaviors. You know, so when mm-hmm. we when you hear communities saying we just need to build, 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 you know, that that can help, but that's not going to solve the problem because you could put somebody into a place. But if you don't address those, the real issues, the, the mental health, behavioral health and substance abuse, you know, they're going to still be back to, you know, where they start from. Hence the gentleman that went through treatment 15 times and mm-hmm. and uh, still going back to it, you know, unable to um, truly get to the, the root of, of his issues. What do you think would happen to the issue of homelessness if we just chose to do nothing and ignore it? Absolutely continue to get worse because, um, like, say, 10 years ago when I started um, doing street outreach, you know, when you found, like, there was heroin users and they were generally 30 to 50-year-old men, you know, Mm. a long history of um, choices and decisions, you know, that led them down this road. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there was, you know, the traditional meth addicts. Um, it was really segregated in alcoholics, but now the people we see on the streets, they're doing both heroin and meth together, you know, and it's very different, you know, uh, meth is an upper and you're going to go mm-hmm. you know, conquer the world and heroin is I'm going to numb my pain and just go over here and, and slouch down in a corner. Um, and what's really scary is the younger people mm-hmm. that we're seeing who really do, uh, you know, give heroin a try. And from then on, it's, you know, it's downhill. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, unfortunately, I think our society makes, you know, drug use and alcohol abuse um, seem as it's commonplace. And we're seeing more and more young people on the streets. And so if we don't do anything, we're not going to help the people on the streets. And I think we're going to make it um, easier for, for people to fall into addiction. 
Yeah. How do you think that we can solve homelessness in Western Riverside County? Utilizing an all-hands-on-deck approach, Mm -hmm. communities working together. Um, Again, it goes back to identifying what the true um, issues are at hand and working together to develop, to strategize plans and to be flexible, right? To be open to change Mm -hmm. because you are dealing with some very, I mean, human beings are complex in general, but these, you know, these, these issues are deeply rooted issues Mm -hmm. and change doesn't happen overnight. But we have demonstrated, I think, through our collaboration um, with our partners that it can be done. So Mm -hmm. we're, we're continuing to build upon that. Mm -hmm. I feel like said it starts with um, conversation and communication. Mm -hmm. Um, when we, when we enter into new cities or communities, you know, a lot of times, um, it's funny, we're all, we're asked, hey, how, how should we do this? But then we're also told this is how we need to do it. You know, we're like, okay, well, if you got it under control, maybe you don't need, need us, you know? Um, but like Monica said, it's something because it's so calm, complex um, human beings are so complex you know it's easy to uh, interpret one's own experience in one type of person and therefore somebody says oh this is the problem you know it, it's just people who need job assistance you know and then we miss the target with all the mentally ill and substance abuse individuals um, or you go to another community that you know has another preconception of, of everything but like Monica said when you bring the whole community together so each group starts to hear from the other like Again, you know, going back to law enforcement, you know, I think they, they take the brunt of, they take a lot of uh, abuse, I think, from people in the homeless topic, you know, mm-hmm. unfairly. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have to support them. The cities have to support them. The communities have to support them, you know, and when they could share their message and everybody else can get on board and then vice versa. When we hear from the community, their frustrations, which are, which are real, you know, I, mm-hmm. I think, you know, we haven't mentioned that, you know, it's definitely a balanced approach. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you shouldn't, you know, we see areas, you know, a lot of, Legal activity with homelessness, um, like the Ninth Circuit Boise decision that, um, you know, people should be allowed to sleep in public spaces or are legally allowed to, um, uh, you, you start to think, well, how does that infringe on a normal person's, uh, not a normal person, but, you know, a taxpayer's um, um, way of enjoying that public space. So we hear a lot of that. Um, but you know, you, we shouldn't ever step on one person's rights to serve another. And when we have a balanced approach, the community can be the voice of this is what we need. Um, and ultimately, when everybody comes together, um, we should be able to agree that homelessness is not good for the individual experiencing mm-hmm. it. It's not good for the community. Mm-hmm. So when we serve those people experiencing homelessness correctly, then we serve the community and everybody else. Mm-hmm. So when we can have that communication um, and people can put their egos aside of, of you know, how it affects just them, um, then we could really get to to the cause because I don't think there's anybody who who wants to be homeless, you mm-hmm. know, who are on the streets. It's some, you know, deep in, inside them, they absolutely um, know they're worth more. They just mm-hmm. need help, you know, getting there. And then, uh, um, again, just when we, when we serve that person, we serve the whole community. So. Mm-hmm. Definitely. When I interviewed a, I, another individual on homelessness a couple months ago, and one of the things that I remember her saying was the reality that 
allowing people to live in homelessness is also not a service to the community, not only for the community at large, but for that person, because it's not, it is not of quality for what, of what and how a human should live. It's unacceptable. mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you look at, you know, not to pick on anybody, but you look like in San Francisco where there's areas where it's legal to Mm. shoot up heroin. You know, I'm like, that's not a, that's not where I want to live. That's not a community where I want to live or where, Mm -hmm. where I can knowingly, say you're killing yourselves but i'm gonna make it comfortable for you um Mm. you know that's not a place again where i want to live and and so we we absolutely want to work hard to help that individual Mm -hmm. to to help the whole community yeah definitely so um first just from a general perspective do you see homelessness getting better or worse in western riverside county oh gosh in some cities i would say it's getting worse and in some cities i could certainly say that it is improving it's getting better Mm -hmm. and i think it goes back to again having that conversation Mm -hmm. right having the community at the table Mm -hmm. what is the plan and taking action and i think also realizing that not a single individual has the answer Mm -hmm. to this this complex problem Mm -hmm. and and like anything else if it's if it's unfortunately kind of the new norm then we have to address it you know mm-hmm. like the cities we work for i think before us um they weren't paying for homeless services um you know but it doesn't mean that they shouldn't be a part of the solution mm-hmm. um you know like i think we're we we help augment the system you know the county mm-hmm. runs social uh, social service programs generally speaking substance abuse uh, mental health programs um, and there's a greater need than there are services truly um so we help augment that. We're advocates, you know, mm-hmm. for the city to say, okay, we're going to help your most mm-hmm. in need, help them connect to those services. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so um, if we don't do that, um, it'll in those areas where that's missing, where people are unable to access the help, mm-hmm. it's absolutely getting worse. And um, you know, even in the city we live in, um, but it's getting better when when groups of people. Um, and I think I think one of the the most fulfilling things for us is when we see individuals who find a purpose in helping, you know, being as part of the solution to help serve, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and that's something that's going to be, you know, last long lasting, even if we're not working with them side by side. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, our mission is going to continue to be to help make that better in all the areas we serve. And again, we're born and raised in Riverside County. Um, we want to stay here. We're not mm-hmm. looking to tackle homelessness in LA or Orange <laughs> County or anywhere else. We want to help take care of our community. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if everybody does the same, then then uh, you know we'll we'll get to a, a, a much better place. Mm-hmm. And it's awesome to see. Just as a side note, it's awesome to see the younger generation becoming involved. We have a professional intern unit from uh, Loma Linda University, UCR, Public Policy, um, Cal Baptist University, just eager. Like this year, we have an amazing group of interns who are just so passionate and Mm want to serve and want to serve the right way. Mm -hmm. You know, we have community groups we have eagle scouts building uh serenity gardens for our clients you know everybody it goes back to everybody playing a role in in addressing homelessness locally Mm -hmm. and i think that's my biggest takeaway from this interview too it is about everyone playing their role in the community too not just in solving the issue but in the community being engaged absolutely um so thank you so much for taking the time to be on our podcast today do you guys have any final remarks before we sign off Gosh, I think we covered a lot. <laughs> I definitely want to say that, you know, that what we know, we, we know we're not here like by chance. You know, this is absolutely something that 
we were brought to, we were drawn to, you know, this is um, only by the grace of God we're here, you know, and we, and we could, we're not in a substance abuse addiction or a mental health, a severe mental health issue. Um, <laughs> some may argue that I have a, a mild mental health issue, but, but truly, you know, we're, we're here to serve and God is putting his hand on so much that we do, so many of the cities we serve, you know, it's really important to bring people together for, you know, this isn't, we're not doing this for anything other than helping those people that can't help themselves, you know, and we're, we're absolutely called to do that, so. Yeah, well, thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you. The Western Riverside Council of Governments, also known as WRCOG, exists to unify the Western Riverside County so that it can speak with a collective voice on important issues that affect its members. For more information on WRCOG and the CogCast, please visit us at www.wrcog.us.